0: Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We are so glad you're joining us today. We value you as a listener and would love to hear your feedback. You can email somebodycares at somebodycares.org and let us know just how much this podcast has ministered to you. Today's episode is an important one as so many of us are yearning for a revival. Doug is about to unpack the warnings that are found throughout the book of Hebrews Like those that were sent to Titanic, these warnings were meant for our good. And it's time that we listen and heed those warnings to see the revival our hearts long for.
1: Today I want to touch on some spiritual lessons that I've gleaned from the story of the Titanic and the book of Hebrews. You see, when I think of all the people whose souls are hanging in the balance of eternity today without God, I'm reminded of the tragic story of the Titanic. In fact, April fifteenth, 2021, had marked the 109th year anniversary of the tragic sinking of the Titanic. Yet in stark contrast to Noah, who by divine warning obeyed God and built an ark to save his family, some of those connected with the Titanic arrogantly said that even God himself couldn't sink her. I've heard it said that at least six warnings was sent to the Titanic before she hit the iceberg. Throughout the day, various ships, including the Californian and the Carpathia, sent warnings of impending danger. Yet all the warnings were scorned, and the rest is history. We can see a parallel between the fate of the Titanic and the fate of people who choose to ignore God. The word pride could be used to describe the actions of the Titanic's crew as pride can also describe so many today who reject the warnings of the Lord. But there were also three other ships in the Titanic story that we cannot overlook. The Samson was a ship that many did not even hear about till years later. It was the closest ship to the sinking Titanic and could have aided in rescuing many of those who perished in the icy sea. Yet it chose to leave the scene. The crew of the Samson was involved in the illegal hunting of seals, and because they were afraid of getting caught, they turned off their lights and sailed away, leaving more than 1,500 to die in a horrific death. How many professing Christians, though, have also rendered themselves ineffective in rescuing perishing souls? Due to the dark deeds of sin, some do nothing. They run away from rather than toward those who are shipwrecked in the sea of despair, The next closest ship, the Californian, was in an ice field less than 20 miles from the Titanic. Earlier, the Californian had sent warnings to the luxury ocean liner about the danger of icebergs, only to be ignored. Although the Californian was not far away, it only proceeded toward the Titanic the next day, after the great ship had already sunk. I wonder how many believers today choose to do nothing to help rescue the perishing because they don't want to risk their own comfort. See, the third ship, the Carpathia, was nearly 48 miles away from the Titanic. It was the furthest of these other ships. But when they received the distress call, they immediately chose to go full speed ahead. They, too, had earlier warned the Titanic, and their warnings also went unheeded. The fog was thick, making it dangerous for the Carpathia to maneuver past icebergs, but at the risk of their own lives and against all odds, her crew chose to rescue the perishing. They were able to save the lives of just over 700 people, while more than 1,000 others froze to death in the ICC. How many more could have been rescued had the Samson and the Californian assisted in the rescue efforts? Like the passengers on the Titanic, people today are cruising along in smug complacency. But when calamity comes, will there be adequate lifeboats to handle the shipwrecked victims? There is such a need in the world around us today. How can we settle in complacency? How can we be so hardened hard of heart as to sit back on the beach of comfort, ease, and apathy while so many are still shipwrecked in the sea of despair? Here are some lessons from the book of Hebrews. One of the things I, I love about the book of Hebrews is its reoccurring theme of believers standing strong in the Lord and finishing their journey of faith well. Quite a few years ago, as I was reflecting on the various stories I read about the Titanic and the various warnings the crew had received prior to that perilous day of their shipwreck, it occurred to me of the various warnings and lessons we were given in the book of Hebrews that helps us from our own shipwreck personally and corporately Initially, I noticed and jotted down six warnings in Hebrews to contrast with that of the six warnings given to the Titanic. Number one, the warning and danger of neglect. Number two, the warning and danger of unbelief. Number three, the danger of the hardening of the heart. Number four, dullness of hearing. And number five, the danger of drawing back or away from God. And number six, the danger of refusing God when he speaks. Sometime later, as I was sharing at one of my Leadership Awakening seminars, and also writing my manuscript for the book Leadership Awakening, I noticed there were at least 10 specific warnings the writer of Hebrews lists that are hindrances to personal and corporate revival. You see, I believe that nearly every believer actually wants a transformed life, but these 10 factors often get in the way. Today, as in the days of the book of Hebrews was written, every Christian will face the following hindrances. Let me go over that list of ten. One, failure to hate sin. We can see that in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, chapter 12, verse 1, chapter 13, verse 18. Number two, negligence. We see that in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Number three, the hardening of the heart. We can see that in Hebrews 3, verse 7 through 15. The fourth hindrance and warning is unbelief. We can see that in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, and verse 19, Chapter 10, verses 38 and 39, and chapter 11, verse 6. Number 5 is prayerlessness. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. And the sixth hindrance is the dullness of hearing. Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through 14. And number 7 is insulting the spirit of grace. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 through 29. And number 8, discouragement. You've heard me say before that discouragement is a powerful drug and definitely hinders us from being able to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, verses 19 and 20, chapter 10, verse 23, and verses 35 and 36, and chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. And number 9, harboring unforgiveness and bitterness. See Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. And the tenth warning or hindrance is refusing the Lord when He speaks, Hebrews 12, verse 25 through 27. In my book, Leadership Awakening, I address all of these ten hindrances individually. But for the sake of time in this particular podcast, I won't address them here. But I do hope that you'll take the time to study the list of verses as well as corresponding scriptures. May you find renewed challenge, perspective, and purpose for your own walk. You know, in 1959, Leonard Ravenhill wrote a book, a classic book, called Why Revival Tarries. In it, he describes some reasons why the church doesn't see revival. We're content, he says, to live without it. It's too costly. We don't want to disrupt our status quo. The Christian life can only be lived one way, and that's God's way, he says. Brother Ravenhill goes on to say, God's way is that I leave all and follow Him. When I think I've arrived at something, he says... The Lord shudders that. Let me reread this whole quote. We're content to live without it. It's too costly. We don't want God to disrupt our status quo. The Christian life can only be lived one way, and that's God's way. And God's way is that I leave all and follow Him. When I think I've arrived at something, the Lord shudders that. Leonard Ravenhill in his book, Why Revival Tarries. Wow, when I read that and reread that at times ouch! I sure hope I never become content to live without revival. I never want to conclude in my own life that a spiritual awakening is too costly, or that the status quo is preferable to a move of God's Spirit throughout our nation. But I know that each of us must guard against spiritual complacency, If Christians in the early church lost their first love and became lukewarm, how much more do we have to take pains to ensure that our own hearts remain kindled with a passion for God that gives us a heart of compassion for people? So in conclusion, as we glean some spiritual lessons from the story of the Titanic and look at the hindrances and the warnings given to us in the book of Hebrews, I pray that we would not be like the Samson or like Christians who, because of our hidden sins, Run away from rescuing the perishing and being a part of God's calling in our lives. And secondly, we would not be like the Californian, the ship that was able to come and rescue, but they didn't want to go full speed ahead because they had their own comforts that they were concerned about, and they did not want to take a risk to go full speed ahead to rescue the perishing. How many of us, even as Christians, live our everyday Christian life, but we don't want to take any risk to go out and do something? to bring the glory of God and to bring the manifestations of God's presence into the lives of hurting people. Whereas the ship Carpathia, the furthest ship away, took great risk and danger to go full speed ahead, to go rescuing the perishing. May we be a people today that exhibit this kind of radical, full steam ahead commitment. The days of cosmetic Christianity are coming to an end. Laodicean Christians must decide whether they will be hot or cold, devoted or lukewarm. You see, we need a renewed passion for God that gives us a compassion for others, because genuine passion for God allows no room for compromise or mediocrity. And as I said earlier, how can we settle into complacency while multitudes upon multitudes of lives are in the balance of eternity? How can we be so hardened of heart as to sit back on the beach of comfort and apathy, while so many are still shipwrecked in the sea, of despair and destruction. Let us not miss our windows of opportunity. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16:9 that a great and effective door of opportunity had been opened unto me, he says, but the adversaries are many. We live in a great and exciting time in which we, the church, must bring a message of hope. But distractions, disappointments, discouragements, and even temptations can be works of the adversary to keep us from what God wants us to do and to be, and to be effective at this time. Distractions can be our love of comfort and ease or the cares and securities of this world. Yet even that is being shaken. As everything that can be shaken is being shaken, we see that in Hebrews 12, verse 25 through 29. All of our securities are being shaken. Shakings can be distraction. Which bring disappointment, then we become discouraged. We get disappointed in people, even in God. From a place of discouragement, we must watch out that we don't compromise our convictions. But in those times our response should be different. We should call upon the Lord and His emergency hotline to find grace, peace, and mercy. God can turn it all around, the economy, our circumstances, and even worldwide situations. He promises us a future of good and not of evil. And a future of hope. If we call upon Him, He will answer us. Jeremiah 29, verse eleven and twelve. God can do exceedingly beyond all we can think or imagine. He's given us a great and effective door to reach many with the gospel. Whatever doors he opens, no man can shut. May we not look back and say weeks and months from now that the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and the people are still not saved. Let us not live our lives of regret. And looking backwards and saying, I wish I had. I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. See, this is not a comfortable place to be. Most of us would rather live in comfort, maybe even be spectators in the epic battles of our times. Sadly, I think sometimes we're more concerned about an athletic event or something that is dear to us, something that entertains us, rather than worrying about what's going on in the world today. Instead of standing in the gap between the living and the dead, We tend to sit in comfort on our padded pews. Instead of running into the flames to rescue lost souls, we piously hide out in our stained glass coffins. George MacLeod, a famous Scottish preacher, once said, I simply argued that the cross should be raised in the center of the marketplace, as well as on the steeple of the church. I'm recovering the claim that Jesus was not crucified between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves, on the town's garbage heap, at a crossroad so cosmopolitan they had to write his title in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek, at the kind of place where cynics talk smut, and thieves curse, and soldiers gamble, because that is where he died, that is what he died for, and that is what he died about, and that is where church people ought to be, and what church people ought to be about. Echoing that same passion for intercession, C.T. Studd once wrote, Some like to live within the sound of a church or chapel bells, I'd rather run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. To quote my friend, Bishop Dale Bronner from Atlanta, our passion for Christ must be greater than our passion for anything else. One of the takeaways in the story of the Titanic and the warnings and the hindrances that we're confronted with in the book of Hebrews is that in the times of crisis, you find courage and cowardice. You see, courage and character in any man or woman shine most brightly in times of crisis And intense pressure. I believe the sirens and alarms are screaming a resounding cry. Spare your people, O Lord. You and I can be part of the largest mobilized rescue effort in our day as we reach the multitudes living the edge of eternity. The question is: will we answer the call?
0: And that is our prayer today that we will answer the call and be the lifeline for the millions of souls who need to know God loves them. And God sent Jesus to save them and rescue them so that they would have an abundant life here and now, but also to be ready for an eternity in heaven with their Father. If you need prayer today, we encourage you, email us, somebodycares.org or you can call and text our 24-hour prayer line, 855-459-CARE. Again, that's 855-459-CARE. I also want to encourage you today, go to somebodycares.org. Enter your email address and be plugged in for free resources and encouraging words that will be sent to you on a weekly basis.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.